Father, we thank you for this time. This time that we can just reflect and see you as glorious as you really are. Grow that in us, oh God. Help us to see that. And give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and minds to understand what we're about to learn in your word, Lord. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome again to the Recovery House of Worship. My name is Pastor Edwin Cologne, and I am the senior pastor in this church, and am grateful that you are here. You received in your bulletin, you received a, uh, a piece of paper, or maybe that was your bulletin. Okay, this is a reminder of what we learned yesterday, uh, last week. You didn't receive one? I got one for you. Okay, in that copy, what you're going to find are the questions that we looked at yesterday. I'll briefly put those questions up on the screen. Those questions that you got last week about how we can identify our idols. Super important questions. Also, there is a definition of different idols. We talked about the four main idols. Does everybody remember the four main idols? They were significance. They were approval, they were comfort, and they were control. We defined them last week. And so this is really important where we're going today, so I wanted you to have it uh, before you. And then, and so here's, here's a big deal. This is not a bad idea to go over these idols that, on a daily basis to see what kind of idols you're, uh, are moving you and you're functioning under. It's very, very important. So let's just, for the sake of review, let's go ahead and put the idols up, and I want to show you, and then I'll talk about why this is so important, and then we'll get right into it. Um, so the first one we'll talk about, is, uh, the first idol that we're, go we're going to discuss is, um, okay, so yeah, let's go over the definition. That's not a bad idea. Um, so idolatry is trusting in things that aren't able to save. Idolatry is trusting in things that aren't able to save. That's what idolatry is. Now, for those of you who weren't here last week, we spent the whole session on idolatry. So let me just tell you why this is so important. Because you and I have self-saboteurs inside of us. If so I'll tell you the story that I told everybody last week. Remember last week? I said that I had this ambition to be healthy. I wanted to be in shape. I wanted to be healthy. And so what I did was I went to the track, McCarran Park, right by my house, and I started to run around McCarran Park. And what I found was that I wasn't, no matter how long I ran, no matter how far I ran, no matter how many weeks I ran, I found that I wasn't getting any better at running. And one day, I took the cigarette out of my ear and lit it up, and I was just, wonder why. <laughs> Maybe I'm just not built for this running thing. <sighs> what could it be? I'm doing everything right. I'm running every day. See, that's funny. That's funny when it's a silly kid trying to get in shape, and it's so obvious. Here's the problem when it's not so funny. When it's when your saboteurs, my saboteur was this commitment to this cigarette. 
Your saboteur might be a commitment to something that you don't even see yet, but it's ruining your life. You go from heroin to alcohol. You go from alcohol to sweets. You go from sweets to lovers. You move from one thing to another, not understanding that there's one idol behind it all moving you in that direction. It's a self-sabotaging way of life. Now, beloved, this is really, really important. And so these self-saboteurs we're calling idols. Someone say that with me. Idols. So, listen to me. An idol is the thing that you trust or run to rather than trusting or running to Jesus. That's what an idol is. It's what you run to. Have you ever, um, our precious brother was sharing his, uh, one of his uh, near idols. I run to this thing called violence. You see, it's, I'm not going to run to Jesus. I'm going to run to violence. And then he said, no, 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 no. this time, okay. I'm going to run to Jesus. And, and, and how much better life was. You see, here's the thing, though. You got something you run to other than Jesus. And you go, of course, it's natural. I say, hey, listen, I just need a break. This is, I deserve this. It's the beer in the refrigerator. It's the haagen in the freezer. It's the violent act against the, the person who is being impossible. It's all those things and more. So we saw yesterday, last week, I keep on saying yesterday. If I keep on saying, just ignore that and just in your mind substitute yesterday for last week. Last time we were together, we told the story of Joshua. Joshua is this great general. Joshua is the one who followed Moses. He was the one that Moses raised up to lead. God put his hand on Joshua's life. And he, he's about to die. He's done all he's going to do for God. And he's given his swan song. Chapter 24 is like a covenant renewal ceremony. And so he's giving them, he's reminding them of all that God has done. By the way, that's good to take note. He's reminding them of all that God has done in and through their lives. But what he discovers in the middle of the time, not that he discovers, what he presents is breathtaking. He's only got a few more words to say. It's his last thing he's going to tell him before he dies. In fact, in the very same chapter, he's going to die. And he says in Joshua chapter 24, verses 23. He says this, now then, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord. He goes, listen, remember what God has done and God has more for you. But if you're going to walk in the power of the Lord, here's two things that I want you to do. I want you to throw away and I want you to yield. I want you to Get out, and I want you to get in. I want you to remove, and I want you to rejoice. You see? Joshua is saying something that's so profound that we don't even have a, we don't have a compartment in our brain 
to deal with this. We think that the Christian life is uh, just do these, these good things. And, and, and you have your list of good things that you should do. And then there's the bad things that you need to avoid. And the really bad things are stuff that other people do that you judge them for. But the stuff that you do is just a little struggle, you know. It's not all the time, I know. So Joshua tells him, here's the secret to the life that God wants you to have. Throw away and yield. Now, we talked yesterday, last time, talked last time about throwing away. I want you to see something. There are near idols. We're going to get a little bit deeper. Somebody say deeper. deeper. We're going to get deeper into this. Now, remember, Joshua, this is so important. This is not the first time that Joshua says this in that chapter. In that chapter alone, in verse 14, maybe 13, 14, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. What does he say? Say it with me. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Pause. Cultural gods. Gods you grew up with. Things that you've trusted. Worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. And, here's the next three words, say it with me. Serve the Lord. You see, it's this throw away and grab a hold of. It's this, this, this renounce and rejoice. So we were talking about it last week. Y'all remember some of this, uh, the things that we said? Um, I encourage you, listen to last week's sermon. I was actually going to do a full review, but the fact is, is that we don't have enough time. Um, so we need to get into this. All right. So there are far idols and there are near idols. Someone say far idols. Far idols. And then there are near idols. Someone say near idols. Near. Okay. Far idols are the things, oh, let me get my notes, you see, I want to I tell you the way, okay, so far idols are the roots of your life or the motivational drives that lead you to do this or that, that lead you to get angry and bitter when someone hurts you, that lead you to uh, go to a cigarette or go shopping or curse that person out or hate them inside or get bitter or act like nothing's wrong. The mo you have motivations inside your soul. Those are far idols. They're subtle. You don't see them easily. And then there are near idols, the ones that you run to that everybody can point out if they know you for more than 10 minutes. There are the near idols of your life. Near idols can be good things. So there are far idols, far idols, right? That can be, and let's, I'm just going to uh, do this so that we can do it quickly, okay? So that could be significance. Remember we talked about significance? Um, approval, remember? Control and comfort. Those are your far idols. They're subtle. They're very difficult to identify. You have to sit with the Lord. Mm -hmm. These are far idols. And then there are near idols. Remember, we're talking about what Joseph is saying in verse 24. He's saying, let go of, grab a hold of. Right. So we're reviewing the let go of part. There are near idols. 
Now, here's the thing about near idols. What do you think some of the near idols might be in your heart, in your life? What do you think they might be? Facebook, TV, what else? Your son, what else? Food, what else? Games, right, like phone games, things like that, yeah, games. Work, lust, finally someone going to a sin that we can all, everybody's like, yeah, you know, games, you know, it's like, it's great. That's great. No, no, no. Yeah, that's true. But when we think of idols, here's the thing. When, mostly when we think of idols, we think of like sinful things. But there are things, things that we consider idols that are good, like our children, like our spouse, like physical health. These things aren't bad in themselves, but it's when, listen to me. Remember, we're talking about your, the motivational structure of your heart. When these things are the things that you run to, rather than running to Jesus, you've crossed the line. See, my kids are good, but they're not God. They're a good gift, but they're not God. And so, near idols are anything like we just said. It could be a spouse job, reputation. Those are your near idols. So, if we were going to look at that in a sort of a picturesque way, could you imagine a tree? Imagine a tree. I know, I know, I'm not a great drawer, but just, just imagine a tree. And imagine this is the dirt. So, your far idol would be underground. Your far idol would be the thing that you run to but that you can't see so quickly. It's the root of your sin. Does this make sense? Does it make sense? Listen to me. What happens? Let me, let me give you an example. A guy who is a womanizer. And he, it, all he does is he lives his life um, uh, to chase after women, to conquer women, things like that. Finally comes to Christ, right? And he has like a real like transformative experience. Loves Jesus. And now he goes to Bible study, but he's difficult to deal with because he wants to dominate every conversation he wants his point to get across in every Bible study. What happened with that guy? That guy went from conquering women to conquering theology or conquering people uh, during discussion. It's the same idol, but it's acting up. Now, one, we would go, that's a sin, uh, abusing women that way, taking advantage of them, doing this or that. That's a sin. Every one of us would say that. And we would say, no, but he's in Bible study. He's just got a little rough around the edges. No, 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 no. You see, his functional savior, the idol that, still lo that he still loves and worships, even though he now calls Jesus his Messiah, his real Messiah, is this idol that he works off of, but he can't see it. You know why? It's underground. And so for him, it, I don't know, is it approval? I don't know. 
Is it control? Is you know, just wants to control people? Is it comfort? He just wants pleasure. He just wants to use the woman for pleasure. Is it significance? Oh, make me feel like I'm important. I don't know. But our problem, and listen, right now what I'm about to explain to you is the reason why you struggled with the thing that you struggled with for the last 10, 15, 20 years, some of you. Are you ready? So whatever we said, things like lust, um, uh, children, things like gambling, and things like uh, money, let's say. We go, we see we have a problem with money. It's too important to us. So what we do is it's like we shake a stick at the fruit of sin and never address the root of sin. It's why when you give up smoking cigarettes, you gain 20 pounds. No, but do you, does that make sense? The reason that you gain the 20 pounds is not because, it's not the hand to mouth thing. It's because, listen, your idol hasn't been addressed. You're looking for, and I don't know, is it comfort? Is it control? I don't know, but you're looking for something in that act, that and Satan is very happy. Satan is very happy if you are worshiping money or worshiping uh, children. Satan is very happy. Satan is very happy if you're worshiping lust or you're worshiping uh, gambling. He, do, he just he doesn't care. So long as your Lord is not Jesus. Okay. Are we getting this? I, I want to give us time. Do we have any questions that we need to answer? This is so important. I don't want to move on until we kind of get this. Do we get this? Do we have any questions? Um, okay. So this is everywhere in the scripture. I chose Joshua because I wanted you to see it in Joshua. But I just, I just gave you Hebrews 12, right? First Throw off everything that hinders, and then what? Fix your eyes on Jesus. So that's our solution. So now what I'm going to go to right now is the most important thing that you need to learn when it comes to overcoming your sin. Okay. All right. Have you been struggling with sin? Have you been struggling with things that um, have a hold on your life, even some good things that you need to let go of maybe? Okay. So here's... Here, now, let's put up Joshua again, because I want you to see this. But it's everywhere. We could, I could show it to you in, uh, in Hebrews. In fact, um, go to Colossians, Colossians 3.5. Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. What? Which is what? Idolatry. These are idols. These are idols. And it says, and then, and then it goes on in that very same chapter. It's, it goes, then, um, uh, fix your mind on things above. Fix your mind on things above. So it's put to death and then fix your mind on things above. So let me give you today's big idea because it's very important that we get this. The way of transformation in Christ is repentance and rejoicing. The way of transformation in Christ is repentance 
acceptance and rejoicing. Okay. Repentance and rejoicing. Now, this is a big deal. Think of these two things, and I gave you several of these, right? Um, throw away and hold on to. Um, uh, uh, remove and uh, rejoice. Um, let go of and pursue, right? You can say it any way you want, but it, in the end, it's turning away. That's what Joshua is saying. He's saying, throw away your gods. Now, what I've been doing for a sermon and a half is try to help you to identify what those gods are. Throw it away. So this is the first part of uh, verse 24. Let's go back to um, Joshua chapter 24, 23. So, Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you. And do you remember what we said last week? Nobody goes, what foreign gods? You got them. You got them. Some of you brought them into the room. You got them. Throw away. The next part of the verse is, and yield your hearts to the Lord. Yield your hearts to the Lord. See, what, so what most people will try to think of when they try to change is that they throw away, but they yield their hearts to the wrong thing. Let's use the cigarette thing again. I'm not picking on cigarettes. If you smoke, go, go smoke right now if you want. I'm not saying that. What, what I am saying is that when we give up cigarettes, we, pick, we gain 20 pounds. It's because we threw away the right thing, but we picked up the wrong thing. Okay, so let's look at this. So repentance and rejoicing. If you think of two pedals, can you think of a bicycle? And how do you get a bicycle to move? Well, you have these two pedals, right? And one is, we're going to call one uh, pedal, we're going to call that repentance. And then the other pedal, we're going to call that rejoicing. So we're going to take some examples, and we're going to try. So let's use lovers, because that's, right, that's something that many of us can struggle with, right? Okay. So what we do is repent. All right. Before I give you the example, I have to, uh, I have to give you an illustration about false repentance. About false repentance. Okay. By the way, if you are not in Christ and you're here, I want to just welcome you. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm like thrilled that you're here. Um, this is helpful to you. This could be helpful to you no matter where you are. If you're an atheist, if you're... Now, the repentance piece, even though it's an old word that we don't like to use, it can still be very helpful. The rejoicing part, though, you're going to struggle with because that's only for the Christian. Only the Christian can truly rejoice in something that's not going to die. Everything else is going to die. Everything you see, smell, taste, or touch is going to die. Okay, so let me give you a, um, an example or an illustration of false repentance. Let's say, as I've been telling you, 
throughout this time together. Let's say that I told you, and remember, I'm giving you an illustration. What I'm about to share with you is a story that I'm making up to show you what I mean about false repentance and what, and I'm going to hopefully lead us to true repentance. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about false repentance. That's the illustration I'm about to give. So follow along with this illustration. Imagine, imagine, use your imagination. Imagine that, imagine that I right now said, hey, guys, I'm teaching you about repentance and rejoicing. It's one of the most important lessons you'll ever learn in your life. It's a gospel-centered, important lesson that you have to learn. It's a big deal. I don't want anyone to move. I don't want anyone to get out of their seat. I don't want anyone to do any kind of disruptive act. I need you to sit down and stay seated down for the next 15 minutes until I explain this concept. Don't move. The reason I don't want you to move is because I, I don't want you to interrupt what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of others, and I don't want you to be distracted in your own life. So the rule is sit down for the next 15 minutes. Don't get up. What's the rule? Sit down. What's the rule, gang? Sit down. Sit down. Okay. So and then I start sharing what I'm sharing with you about rejoicing, repenting, and repenting and rejoicing. And then you, or not you, uh, a, a, a person in this room gets up and stabs me a bunch of times. Well, Gil and Ron are here. They run up, and they, uh, you know, restrain the guy. And they call the hospital, and they also call uh, 911, the, the, the police. The guy gets arrested. He gets 10 years in jail for attempted murder. And I am conditioned to have to, and I am forced to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life, unable to use my lower extremities and, and uh, going to the bathroom in a colostomy bag. So I'm, I'm, my life is ruined, it's over, it's, it's a different life. Not ruined or over, but it's, it's, it's certainly changed from what it was. Remember, we're still telling the story, you're following along with it. Now let's imagine, again, using our imaginations a little bit further, let's imagine that that guy got a hold of my number and it's 10 years from now. And he calls me up and he goes, he calls me up, ring, 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 and he goes, Edwin, he goes, Edwin, man, I want to meet with you, man. I'm so sorry, man. I'm just so sorry. Could you ever forgive me? I'm so sorry for what I did, man. I want to meet with you, man. Can we meet? And let's say that I was temporarily insane and said, yes, I'll meet with you. So he goes, man, I'm just so sorry, man. I can't believe I did that to you, man. I'm just, I just want to meet with you and apologize, man. Could we meet? And so let's say I went, I took Gil and Ron with me so that they could protect me, and I roll up in my uh, thing. We stay super socially distanced, and, and I go, go ahead, share what you're going to share. And he goes, Edwin, I've been thinking about this for the last 10 years, man, and I've wanted to tell you. I just feel so bad for what I did. Could you ever forgive me for breaking your standing up rule? <laughs> that's absurd. The reason that that's absurd is because all of us know that the sin that he committed against me was trying to take my life, not breaking a silly rule. 
Let's use our thinking caps. I need you to come in close. When you and I repent before God, what we usually do is confess breaking a silly rule rather than confessing that we killed the Son of God. We, God, I can't believe I did it. Would you, could you ever forgive me for looking at those dirty pictures? No. No, beloved. Our sin caused the Son of God to be hung from a tree. Our sin, our sin crucified Christ. God, could you ever forgive me for those dirty words I said? See, our repentance is all broken. Our repentance is superficial. Our repentance is too much. And this stuff needs to be repented of. I'm not saying don't repent of this stuff. But if we never get down here, then we're just insulting God. Remember, we're sticking with Joshua. Joshua's telling us to throw away the foreign gods and to yield, surrender. That word yield is so powerful. Surrender, submit, find in him the delight that you're seeking. So here's, okay, now, now we get to go to examples. Okay. Oh, we ran out of time. Okay. I want to honor your time. This is going to take a little bit more time. It's going to take about 15 or 20 minutes. So here's what we're going to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to close in prayer. And if you want to go, go. This is just for the people who actually want it. So I'm going to close the service. And if you want, you can stay. But if you're going to go, you've got to go quietly. Okay? Got to be quiet. All right. Father, thank you for teaching us what you've already taught us in this text. Thank you for inspiring Joshua by the power of your Holy Spirit to tell us to throw away these foreign gods, these things that have controlled and sabotaged our lives for our entire lives. And so, Lord, draw us to yourself. Help us to find our satisfaction in you. Help us to love you. Help us to seek your face. Help us to repent truly, thoroughly and rejoice in Christ who has done it all for us. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. For those of you who want to stay, let's get to it. Repentance. Let's take an example. Let's take an example. Okay? So let's say, let's say you're single. You know, you know that God says that sex is for married people only. You know this. Like it's said it in the scriptures a bunch of times. You've read it a bunch of times. You've been told a bunch of times. Let's say that you know that. 
Sex is for married people. Sex is not for people who are ready. Sex is not for people who have sexual experience. Sex is not for people with kids. Sex is not for people been in, who are in love. Sex is not for people who are about to get married. Sex is not for the young. Sex is not for the old. Sex is not for the ugly. Or sex is not for the beautiful. Sex is for married people only. You know that. What happens? You meet Mr. Wonderful. You meet Mrs. Fantastic. And so you start connecting with them and you start loving on them, right? And so what do you do? You, you connect with them in a physical way because, you know, you, you broke through a bunch of boundaries and you did a bunch of stuff and, and cool. Right, okay, cool. You go to repent about this sin and you go, God, you know, forgive me for breaking the no sex outside of marriage rule. And it's... It's silly. What, what, what if, what if we went a little bit deeper? What if your sin of lust wasn't all that we needed to repent about? What if your sin of lust wasn't all we needed to repent about? What if the reason that you lusted, the reason that you wanted, and women is different from men, but let's use men for a second. With men, <clears throat> you just wanted control. You just, you wanted someone that you could conquer. What if you went to Christ, men, and said, God, here's the truth about me. I don't trust you with my sexuality. I don't trust you with the pleasure in my life. I want to be in control of that. And you are not, I'll interview you, but I won't hire you. I won't. Because you are not the authority in my life. I'm in control. I'm in control. What if you actually prayed like that? And then followed up that prayer with this. Lord, but you've shown me in the word that you can be trusted and that you, with my life, my life is best under your guidance. And even though I don't have the spouse or the lover that I, that I want now, I can trust that if I go through this time and follow your direction, that you will give me joy. Because if I can trust you for my salvation, I can certainly trust you for my sex life. See the difference? That's <laughs> repenting and rejoicing. It's, God, I'm all about control. But I celebrate that you can be trusted. You see, that's the far idol that's under the surface, and that's addressing the near idol. Oh, God can be trusted with your relationships. God can be trusted with your sex life. God can be trusted with your romantic life. God can be trusted. Yes? Yes. Okay. Um, tax season. Tax season's coming up, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. So, I need to buy the new pair of Jordans. And I need to go on that line and buy the new pair of Jordans. 
because they're so dope and everybody, everybody, yo, those are the fives? Yo, those are the whatevers? You know, like I have no idea. I'm literally inventing things. I have no idea. Are fives like really important in Jordans? I don't know. But my point is this. My point is this. Your taxes are coming up and you have an opportunity. Hey, nobody's claiming my niece. Hey, man. You think, now, what's your near sin? Your near sin is that you're defrauding the government. That's the near sin. It's defrauding. But what's your deeper sin? Significance. You want to look great, and you want other people to esteem you, to look at you and go, wow, what nice clothes, sneakers, how well he's put together. Do you see? So what we're repenting about is that, so we're not, we're not, oh, God, I broke the tax law. We're not doing that. And by the way, you did, and you should repent about breaking the tax law thing. I'm not saying don't. I'm just saying don't stop there. I'm saying go a little deeper. Okay. So, so you're, you repent over your significance, your, your, your connection to, that you want significance. Now, here's, and then, so here's the thing. God, here's the truth about me. I think that it's more important what others, uh, how others view me with how I dress than it is how you, you, how you view me through the lens of the sacrifice of your son. That's the truth about me. And beloved, when you're honestly, when you're honestly confessing this to God, wait there, wait there until this actually affects you emotionally. Like, don't be so quick to leave. Feel the tears. Okay. So, hey, son, son, what's his name? What's his name? Thomas. Thomas, come over here. Don't walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't walk through the service. Thanks. All right. Listen to me. The important here, the important here is that we get to the significance issue and that we confess it to the Lord. This is super duper important. Now watch. Once we confess that and we, and we sit in it and we let it affect us, then we go, listen. God, the truth is, is that I, I trust the opinions of others for my significance. Repentance, throw away your foreign gods. But then we can go to rejoicing. But here's the truth, Lord. You have given me sonship. I am a child of the Most High God. I am a prince in the kingdom of God. I am a princess for, some, for the ladies. I am a princess in the kingdom of God. What higher significance could I possibly have? And I stay there. I see, my, I see my rewards in Christ. And remember, these rewards don't come from my actions. They come from Christ's actions. Do you see what's happening here? These, watch this. When we start throwing away and holding on to, when we start repenting and rejoicing, it starts to change us deeply. 
We no longer stick with the fighting the fruit sin of our lives. We get to the root sin of our lives. Before I go any further, does anybody have a sin that they would like to either, you know, maybe your friend struggles with this sin that you could tell us about so that we could give an example before I go any further? Does anybody have any one of those? Go ahead. Huh? Anger. Okay. So anger. When we act out in anger, we could, oh my gosh. What, what are we looking for, right? Is it significance? Um, I'm the head person in charge in this place. Is it maybe control, like intimidation? Oh, control. Or maybe you get angry for comfort. Just makes you feel good. It's just, oh, I feel so much better. You know, remember in the 90s, they used to tell us to, like, punch pillows and things like that. They don't do that anymore because they realize how, um, how unhelpful that is. All right, so what happens? Anger. When we're, we're confessing to God, let's use something that we've uh, not used, right? Let's say it's comfort. It just makes us feel better. God, the reason that I uh, lashed out at that person is because it made me feel better about myself. It was a pleasure. And I don't trust that, number one, that your word, when you say, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I don't believe that. I don't think that's true. I think you're lying. Wow. Then we can come here and go, remember, I'm doing this in five seconds. This might take you three years. Okay. Then we go, but God, Here's what your word says. Your word says that vengeance is yours. Your word also says, delight in me, and I will give you, uh, that to delight in me, that I will give you the, the, the desires of your heart. Oh, Lord, I can find my delight in Christ. You see? Do you see? It's these two things. If you just do repentance, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get depressed, and you're going to want to commit suicide. If you just go rejoicing, you're not dealing deeply enough with your sin. It's got to be both. It's got to be repentance and rejoice. Repentance and rejoice. Got it? Okay. Guys, um, you've been so patient. I want you to now start thinking. I want you to start thinking about the communion table and how the communion table leads us to both repent and rejoice. Every time we take this communion, we're reminded... We're reminded about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but that he rose again. The cost for our repentance and the delight that he gives in the life in Christ. Now, uh, you were given a little packet. You were given a little packet. Did you get it? Yeah? Okay, good. Listen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, listen to me, this is so important, and it's so in line with what we're doing. On the night that Jesus was, uh, in the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus was at a meal, like the meal that we're about to take right now. 
We're going to have a beautiful, what is it, chicken soup? Is that it? I'm such a fan of soup. You have no idea. I love soup. Oh, you know. That's why. There you go. Yeah, I love soup. Okay, watch this. Here it is, folks. Here it is. Here it is. And at that dinner, he said, he took the bread, and he breaks it. And he says, this is my body, broken for you. Listen to me. The repentance that you and I get to extend, that get to run to, is not because, is not because we're good, righteous people, but because he gave his life and gave us power to repent. He says, this is my body, broken for you. Think of your sin. Not just your close sin, your near sin, but your far sin, control, significance, approval, and comfort. He says, don't forget me. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, we're so unworthy. We're so unworthy for the incredible sacrifice that you made on our behalf. We don't deserve your sacrifice, but we receive it with joy and we yield to it. Give us hearts that yield to it more every day. Amen. At the same meal, he takes the drink and he says, and he pours it into a cup. He says, this is my blood. You did the crime. Jesus takes on the punishment. You did the unthinkable. Jesus does the impossible. He says, this is my blood. Shed for you. It's shed for you. Don't ever forget that. That you were bought with a high price. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, we thank you for the incredible sacrifice of your sin. I mean, sacrifice of your work on the cross for our sin. We ask, oh God, that you would by your spirit move powerfully in our lives to be people who both repent and rejoice. For people who turn from idols and turn to faith in Christ. Help us to do this, Lord increase our ability and our experience with this. For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen.